Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here. Glad you're with us for OutKick 360. We've got the top NFL games coming up. Some underdog picks as well. We'll get you ready for the college football weekend in just a moment. Chad's going to go through and play matchmaker. What was the uh, the name of the show? Her name was Patty. Yes. Uh, million, Millionaire matchmaker. Million. Yeah. Yes. That was good TV for, um, yeah. for a while. She would set millionaires up on terrible dates on purpose because it was great TV, and this was this lasted a while. I think Chad will have a better hit rate than she did on matchmaker for college football. Well, I don't know that these schools will do the right thing and do what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, this would work for for these jobs. First, this is what should happen. Uh, just a quick NFL injury update for you. Uh, Josh Allen officially questionable for Sunday's game as the Bills host the Vikings. Jeffrey Simmons, if it's not Aaron Donald, and it is, right beneath Aaron Donald is Jeffrey Simmons. He's been ruled out with an ankle issue that he has been playing through for the last two weeks. And he re-aggravated this, Paul, last week in Kansas, Kansas City, City on Sunday night. And now he's been in a boot, which you told us about yesterday. And today, Vrabel said he's not playing against Denver. Which is trouble. And the Titans have several other guys out, too. Uh, I think he's their best player, yeah, period. I think so, too. Bud Dupree, also the difference maker. Um, he's uh, out. Amani Hooker. And the Titans play Thursday night in Green Bay. So you're talking about guys out Sunday he might be out Thursday as well and get themselves two, two full weeks of rest. So we'll see if the Titans can make it through a bad Denver offense and through a, a Packers offense that's played poorly. We'll see what they do against Dallas that we've been talking about. One thing I should know, and I don't know the protocol, concussion protocol on Friday, if you don't practice and you remain in concussion protocol, can you test out of that for the game? Matthew Stafford remains in concussion protocol, but he has not been ruled officially out as of 5.02 Eastern. Yeah, and I think, if I'm not confusing him with somebody else, that um, McVay said they'll take it down to 90 minutes before the game. So I think he's suggesting there's potential for him to come out of protocol. But I'm not certain Odd. about that. The same because way part of the are. protocol is you practice and then you're reevaluated. At least I thought that was... Protocol. Well, maybe there's something he could do tomorrow that qualifies as some level of practice. Okay. Uh, Kyler Murray, game-time decision for Arizona. Hamstring. Speaking of the Rams, they play each other this week. Hamstring, game-time decision. He has been somewhat active in practice, probably not running all that much. Shaq Leonard um, out for Indianapolis, as is tight end Jelani Woods and running back Deion Jackson. But Jonathan Taylor is expected to play this week for Indy as they visit the Raiders. Cleveland tight end David Njoku, he is out with an ankle issue. And Green Bay will be uh, without Eric Stokes, officially done for the season with a knee and ankle injury. Matt Ryan, full participant, he will back up uh, Ellinger 
for the Colts. And T.J. Watt, the fantastic pass rusher and got the big contract, defensive player of the year. He is back for the Steelers this week as they host the Saints. That's your updated NFL injury report. Chad, let's head to college football. We've got some openings, and it is time for Withrow's matchmaking ability for the openings across the college landscape. It's not millionaire matchmaker, but it's a millionaire, soon to be a millionaire, maybe already a millionaire and going to make more millions to coach at a different job. So what I did, I went through the six available Power 5 jobs, and I said, this is what should happen. Uh, I'm not predicting what's going to happen. I'm giving you what I think is a somewhat realistic viewpoint of who a program could hire and who should be the match for that job based on situation, based on the coach. Let's start with Auburn. Do we agree that Auburn is the best job available? Yes. Nebraska, Wisconsin, either one or the other, number two. It's Auburn. After that, Auburn, number one in the SEC. I agree. Don't overthink it. It's Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, I believe, is not completely settled at Ole Miss and has not been since he's been there. I agree. Lane Kiffin is someone who has some wanderlust. Auburn makes a ton of sense for him. Head-to-head in-state with Nick Saban, I think he would relish that opportunity. The resources are better. The championship lineage is far better. NIL programs. NIL's better. Last four coaches that have coached at Auburn either won a national title, played for a national title, or went undefeated in a season. You can't say that at Ole Miss. You can do that at Auburn. Not to say he can't be uber successful at Ole Miss, but guys, I feel like we're witnessing... The last four coaches? We're witnessing, yes. Well, not Harson. Sorry, before Harson. So, Gus Malzahn went to the national championship game. Gene Chizik won a national title. Tommy Tuberville went undefeated in 2004. Terry Bowden went undefeated in 1998. So four coaches you before can win there. But So the, the only issue I have... But these, I, would, would you agree with this on Ole Miss? I think Kiffin is at his ceiling. 10-2 season a year ago, probably another 10-2 yes. season now. Yes. It's a program that's never played in the SEC championship game. So they could do it this year. Um, mm, I, not, they, if, not if LSU wins. That's, that's yeah. fair. They could. Um, the only issue I take... And I am all aboard the lane train. You guys know this. He's going to have wonderlust no matter where he is. So if you're Auburn, are you willing to revive the program, which he will do, and bring the energy, and then two and a half years later, just have to play ball? You probably have to play ball with anybody you hire, but I think this this is like an annual thing where there's there's a tease going on, and you have to figure out whether or not he is Gundy this year, or if he is Lincoln Riley this year. And I think Ole Miss knows he's Lincoln Riley every year. Where does he come down with that at Auburn? Right? Like that that's my only that's my only issue if I'm the new AD there trying to determine whether or not Lane Kiffin is perfect. I think he's is, perfect now. Percentage is he perfect of jobs five years from now. Percentage of jobs that are better shrinks and percentage of those jobs that are better that would want Lane Kiffin shrinks. If so you're gonna, if there's, you're, if you're, it's less likely to leave. And Chad, here's here's the other thing I'm thinking of as I'm reading through this last night. If I'm hiring, I mean, most of the most of these schools don't care if you're paying a guy to fail. 
So I don't disagree with Kiffin being that guy to pay because it is li- it's boomer bust, and he's already told us and shown us this year he can reload. He can boom coaches and players. So we had Tom Luganville on earlier this week, and he had the line that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, Dauber, with the boosters, with influence and everything else. That's a problem. Lane Kiffin's one of the rare guys who can cut through that because I don't think he'll care. I, so so he's not it, going to listen weird, to it. Though, it's not going to bother him. Those same boosters signed off on the Harson hire. I don't think they did. That, I there's not I, too many cooks in the kitchen. I think that there was a divided... The problem was... There was a group of boosters who wanted to hire Kevin Steele as an interim coach to bridge the gap, to see how he could do. They loved him yeah. until they could get it together and hire who they wanted. Those same boosters, a season later when he when Alabama had to come back and they lost, that started to drudge up the stuff with the affair and everything else right. to try to get him out. That's the problem. There was a divided booster group. No matter what, they're going to want to have their hand in things. And so they settled. Yeah. Well, the AD said he's staying after the investigation. Then he ends up out either way, right. and the AD's out. But I think Lane Kiffin can cut through that. Anyway, Lane Kiffin for Auburn. Wisconsin. Just remove the interim tag from Jim Leonard. If you don't. Do not overthink this. If you don't. Wisconsin last overthought a coaching hire when they brought in Gary Anderson from Utah State. An outsider. You know how that worked out? Great. The dude left for Oregon State on his own accord because he was so out of fit with Wisconsin and Madison. Keep it in the family. Barry Alvarez, I don't want to get biblical on everyone, but this is the truth. Barry Alvarez begot Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema begot who? Gary Anderson, who left for Oregon State. Then they got back to it. He begat Paul Christ who played at Wisconsin, who's from Madison. Paul Christ shall begat Jim Leonard, former Wisconsin safety, 12-year NFL vet. It makes too much sense. And guys, they're 3-1 and one since he took over. If they beat Iowa this weekend on the road, they've got the inside track for the, the Big Ten West. Identical records for Iowa and Wisconsin right now, and uh, Chad has closed the chapter of Deuteronomy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next, we will read Paul's letter to the Corinthians. I like a nice letter. That's next week's column. A lot of letters being written to Nebraska's AD right now, to Trev Alperts, about what they should do. Um, There's some sentiment that Mickey Joseph could get the job. I don't see it. They've not been good. Uh, They were bad under Scott Frost. They've been bad under Mickey Joseph. I'm telling you. There are people that think he's going to get the job. What a campaign. I don't see it. I think those are Nebraska fans who have resigned themselves to believing they can't hire an outside candidate because Scott Frost didn't work out. Let me give you a name that I think you can hire if you really go all in. Mark Stoops at Kentucky. This is the one that most people have chimed back in and said, keep dreaming. He is not leaving Kentucky for Nebraska. If you believe that... (laughs) You believe he's not bothered by John Calipari rightfully telling him in the world it's a basketball school. His response would say otherwise. He hates that. You know what else he hates? What he's brought up three times now. The lack of NIL. He is saying we are falling behind in the SEC because we don't have an NIL. He said it again, and then Mitch Barnhart came, oh, we've been working with NIL, and we got whatever. Too little, too late. Mark Stoops wants to be at a place where he is the priority. 
where the football program is the priority. You want to know a place that you don't have to ask any questions about whether or not it's a school for another program? It's Nebraska. So this could happen. He's also at a program where, with one win, his contract automatically gets a one-year extension this week with by beating Vandy, even though this season, based on the standard that they have reached, is a failure. Correct? Yeah. Coming off the 10-win, pick second. Now for Vandy, they're trying to look at win number seven, and they're bowl eligible. I mean, but at some point, the expectations rise. He's talking to John Calipari, who has the highest expectations in college basketball, and with a win, his seventh win, while he doesn't get a $250,000 bonus anymore because now that's fully guaranteed every year in his contract extension in 2021, he will get the extra year added on at the back end. It's not all about money. I know that sounds funny in the world we live in now. And he's making, what, like six and a half now? Yeah, he makes a ton. His contract's great. I get all that. Look, I, I said in the in the piece, this is a bit of a long shot, but this is no, how they could pull it off. It's a style, too. I think Mark Stoops, I am reading between the lines here, the way he talks about the job, how fired up he gets about John Calipari saying it's a basketball. It is a basketball school. It is. There's no doubt about it. But the how fired up he gets about that in NIL, I think that Mark Stoops believes he is tapped out at Kentucky. I think the ceiling they has been done established, too. Absolutely. The- two 10-win seasons. He's saying, I'm not going any higher here. Why not restart the clock and try to rebuild one of the top 10 winningest programs in the history of college football? Oh, by the way, in a division, I know USC, UCLA are joining. This could change the divisions. In a division that's eminently winnable, if you were Nebraska. Do you think the SEC East is eminently winnable for Kentucky ever? No. It sounds like a loser mentality, but it's only a difficult job if Stoops makes it a difficult job there. Nebraska. Nebraska or Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky. He can make $7 million a year. He gets a, a year tacked onto his Finishing contract third. for winning seven games, Again, which he's I, always done. I don't – I'm telling you, I don't – this is a compliment to Mark Stoops. I don't think he's someone that's okay winning seven I, a year and I making a ton of you. money. I, he wants to win a title. He's made it difficult by challenging Calipari, hey, though. to Brian Kelly's credit, he could have stayed at Notre Dame for his life and made a ton of money and never won a national title. And he told the world, I'm winning a national title at LSU. And he left for a new challenge. I think Mark Stoops is made of the same stuff. You have some other big names here. Georgia Tech. Don't laugh, either one of you. Or laugh, if that's your reaction. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders. Georgia Tech has never had a black head coach. Um, I'm not one to put racial identity into the parameters of a hire. But damn it, that makes no sense in Atlanta. It really doesn't at that program. Deion Sanders would bring a sizzle to Georgia Tech football that has not been there since they won a shared national title in 1990. They need that badly. He can recruit. He got a five-star prospect to decommit from Florida State, his alma mater, to go to Jackson State. That's not even FBS. He can recruit the Atlanta area. He could recruit the Atlanta surrounding suburbs. I think Deion Sanders could work at Georgia Tech, and it would give them a much-needed shot in the arm. I, I, I'm kind of on the why not on this. At but this point. I wouldn't want to have to listen to him with the ACC-level platform. <laughs> just I mean, crazy just stuff non- he might yeah, say. It's nonsense. You're all, I mean, 
if even without college football, you listen. You're for like, he's all over the place. He was on 60 Minutes. They he's, did a 60 Minutes profile. He has a national insurance commercial. No, I know, but especially it's, in it'll, that it'll city, it'll grow from where he is. It, I mean, it's only going to get bigger. Now, and do he's I going to say ridiculous nonsense? Do I overrate my youth in watching Deion Sanders yeah. play center field for the Braves and steal bases and watch him play defensive back for the Falcons? and say, man, he means a lot to the city of Atlanta? Probably, but I don't think it really matters because even with the youth of America today, because of what he's done at Jackson State, because of his big personality, they know who Deion Sanders is. Well, they that, know Affleck, Coach Prime. that Affleck commercial Yes, the youth of America know who he is. So Georgia Tech, hire Deion Sanders. I, I, it I makes like a that. ton of sense for them. Um, Arizona State's a tough spot because they're not very good right now. They're three and six. But they get rid of Herm Edwards, and you've got this weird situation of NCAA investigation on top of reports that the current staff was basically sabotaging Herm Edwards to get him fired. So whoever inherits that job, this is a three- to five-year rebuild. You've got to look at it that way. It's not going to be turned around in two years. You've got to have someone that's there for the long haul. Go get an alum. Go get someone young. Go get someone that understands the current college football landscape. That someone is Kenny Dillingham, 32-year-old offensive coordinator at Oregon. Dillingham has an interesting story. Played high school football at Chaparral High School in Scottsdale, Arizona. Tore his ACL a senior year of high school. Became a coach as a 17-year-old for his high school team. Helped out the offensive coordinator. The dude was calling plays and elevated to OC at this high school at 21 while attending classes at Arizona State. Did not play college football after the injury. Is an Arizona State grad. He was at Memphis. He was at Florida State. He's been different places. Now at Oregon. One year there under Dan Lanning. I think this is uh, the big swing of maybe we get our Lincoln Riley type at a very young age if you're Arizona State. Who will swaddle this man-child? Maybe they can bring Herm Edwards back to, to swaddle him. He's a very young-looking dude, too. Like He's a young 32, young 32. when you see him. Not not a big guy. I, I mean, it's interesting conceptually. I Does like Dan when Mullen you go outside the box. He can do better than I, that, I considered – so you guys want to know my real outside-the-box candidate that I really wanted to put down here, but I didn't because I looked at his record in college. And it's Cliff scared. Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury's going to get fired by Arizona, I believe. Yeah. What if he could just live in his house – and then go coach changes, Arizona State. Changes commute. And you keep a celebrity coach at Arizona State. Now, two things. One, they just fired a former NFL head celebrity. coach in Herm Edwards. But they've been rehiring a college guy. A college guy who's under 500 at Texas Tech but in his tenure. He also is the guy who coached Pat Mahomes in college. The dude can sell tickets, though. So I, I agree. I agree. So, only for a while. I was close. I was close to putting Kingsbury down, but... I went the more practical route with the young assistant. Colorado Buffaloes, I'm going another young assistant. Jeff Levy, 38 years old, not as young as Dillingham, been around the block a bit. Another guy who's got a, a fascinating story in terms of the offenses he's touched. He was a player at Oklahoma, got hurt, became a, an assistant for Josh Heupel when he was offensive coordinator. So he knows a bit of the Hypel offense, at least the version of it at Oklahoma. He then goes and coaches for Art Bryles at Baylor. He's worked under Lane Kiffin 
who's blending more pro-style concepts in with that. He's been good everywhere. Paul, you asked me the question, yeah. can he not hold out for a better gig? And who's replacing Kiffin when you put Kiffin at all? That's exactly what I, what I said. If my dominoes fall into place, if I'm Ole Miss, He's I'm bringing unavailable. Jeff Levy back to be the head coach after he was offensive coordinator the last two years under Kiffin before that. But, look, if you you can't sit around. If you want to be a head coach, that's the ultimate goal. Levy's an Oklahoma guy. Brent Venables has not been great in year one. You can't rely on you being elevated as head coach if you are an assistant for a failed head coach. So if you don't yeah, sit right. around Your and wait to be the guy that's going to take over for uh, for him. So I would take the Colorado job. I, I like the list. I, I like uh, the ambition. I would wait. I, I wouldn't take the Colorado job. I would I mean, wait. I, I think that's a tough place to bolster your case. Colorado your should not job. be this bad. He needs to no. play this like Josh McDaniels has played this, except well, Levy will be better. Yeah, but he Josh McDaniels to played it too very, long. Very Colorado should not be this bad of a job. I know Bill McCartney was probably cheating his ass off while he was there <laughs> in the 80s and 90s, but they were able to go into, Cal- into Southern California, into Compton, and get players regularly and dip into Texas. Well, Michael Westbrook was a national And that was the player. 90s. That was, you know, at the end of that reign where they were great in the late, late 80s, early 90s. Believe it or not, Lane Kiffin remains the head coach at Ole Miss. And tomorrow they will host Alabama. We'll preview that and the other top matchups across college football. Plus, NFL's money line upsets for the underdogs this week in Week 10. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Go rapid fire for you across college football with the top games for Saturday in week 11. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Alabama and Ole Miss. I'm, I'm going to pause here and Withrow's going to take over because I was all on board with the roll tide last week against LSU. You were big. Vegas has valued Ole Miss, regardless of schedule, consistently throughout the season much more than LSU. So, Chad, I'm with you here. But tell everyone why you are so confident in Alabama on the road in Oxford. I think Alabama, you need a better passing attack, I think, than what Ole Miss has. Ole Miss defensively has been scrappy. They're not going to hold down Bryce Young. And I don't think their passing attack this year is dynamic enough to beat Alabama at home. Now you say, okay, Jaden Daniels did it for LSU. He's not the most dynamic. He's better than Jackson Dart. So he is more dynamic with his legs and can do more things than Jackson Dart. Here's the other thing about this game. I think Alabama is going to respond and win on the road. I'm the opposite of you a week ago, Hutton, where I thought I didn't think Bama would lose necessarily. I thought LSU LSU would have a good chance to win. And cover. But then LSU won. Quinshawn Judkins is incredible. The freshman from the state of Alabama for Ole Miss. I wonder what you guys think about this. 
I don't like that Nick Nick Saban's being honest. He's not doing anything wrong. But when he's asked a question about Judkins getting out of the state, he can say, we looked at him. Uh, he's obviously a very good player, and I really wish he was with us because he could really help our team. Is that That's like tampering to me. There's something odd about that. Even in a time of transfer portal and everything else, I don't like a head coach's ability to say, man, that guy from our state, we missed on him. He could. I wish he was on our side this week it's like and not his. go in the portal after the season. Yeah, in the NFL, there's rules against that, right? Like, didn't, yeah. you can do that if the guy enters the portal. I don't know. There's something about that that was uneasy to me. Uh, but so, I, th- I think the tide roll. I think they the, cover. Here, here's what – how aggressive does Ole Miss need to be? Because keep in mind, there's a narrative, I feel like, that people haven't watched much of Bama, even though they're on TV every week, and I get it. But there's this sentiment nationally that, oh, Bama's not Bama. They're six nationally in scoring. They average 42 points per game. They're very good. Ole Miss. They lost in the last play of the game twice on the road. Ole Miss is ninth nationally in third down offense. They convert 51% of the time on third down. So Kiffin, when he doesn't convert on third down, what does he do this year compared to last year on fourth, knowing that they have to score points? I mean, it. Just looking at Alabama, they're going to score points. And Ole Miss runs the football very well, but they're also very aggressive. Here is Kiffin earlier discussing the uh, the Feinbaum comments and saying that it was goat fuel for Nick Saban in the Tide. You know, I texted Feinbaum on the way over here when I <laughs> saw him, his quotes, like he normally does, and says, you know, the Nick Saban dynasty is over and all that. And every time he says this, which I tell him, all he does is... I call it like goat fuel, opposite of rat poison. You're just like giving the goat fuel, which for him that works, and he goes and proves him wrong every time. So I really appreciate Paul saying that right after the game. I'm sure that was on his desk Sunday morning. Ole Miss coming off a bye. Kiffin has now had two weeks to prepare for this game. I can't wait to see what he comes up with and what the team has for a rushing offense that's spectacular in Oxford and a coach who knows how to score, and knows Nick Saban well. I don't think they're as good. In a year where they've lost two games. I don't think they're as good as the two teams you're talking about, Bama losing two on the road on the last play, LSU and and Tennessee. Yeah, they're not. They just don't. And so I don't see them winning. I don't care if they get inside the number or not. I I think we get a little carried away rooting rooting for games based on the spread. You know, it matters if they win or lose. Oh, they're that. going in there to win the game. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're looking at the spread. We're just talking from a betting standpoint. No, I, I think there's going to be at least one play in this game with the two weeks prepare and knowing Nick Saban the way Lane Kiffin does, where he's going to have that before it's completed, hands in the air celebrating. I think there's going to be at hey, least one of those trick plays or Jackson something he Dart. does where someone's going to be wide open. He leads I, I still the SEC don't think it's in enough. completion, uh, yards per completion. Yeah, I, I still just don't think it's enough for them. Nick Saban did give Lane Kiffin credit on his coaches show where they asked about how important was he in transitioning to this offense, where they are now with more of a let-it-rip mentality. And he said, I mean, he said Lane is in, in, incredibly smart, and he was the right guy to help lead us into this era when he was here. Chad, let's uh, skip ahead to your final. We've got two other games here, and these are all in your top ten. Washington, Oregon, TCU, Texas. As far as playoff scenarios are concerned, it, it benefits the SEC more 
for Oregon to fall once again, right? Or no? Because yes. TCU hasn't lost, and the SEC with Georgia has won big over Oregon. I'm conflicted on this as far as the committee You're is saying concerned. if you had to get one or the other, yeah, which you would you want? one team to lose, who do you choose? TCU. Because with TCU unbeaten, though, I still think Tennessee has a path there. But here's the thing. So or TCU eliminates – here's the way I would view the it. The fear is Oregon jumps Tennessee in the last week, but right? But here's the way I would view it. It's not just Oregon, though. So if I'm picking either or, if you're a Tennessee fan or LSU or whoever, and you're wanting to get in the back of the college football playoff, who are you rooting against? If you had to pick Oregon or TCU to lose – I'm picking TCU to lose for this reason. It eliminates the Big 12 from the conversation. I don't think a one-loss Big 12 champion, yep. TCU, anyone else, has a chance to get in over a one-loss Tennessee, as an example. Oregon's not the only one-loss Pac-12 team. So Oregon really doesn't eliminate anything other than Oregon. We keep forgetting about USC and Caleb Williams who has more touchdowns, accounted for more touchdowns than anyone but you need, in college football and is going to be a Heisman finalist more than likely. But that they factor into this, though, because you need Oregon to lose but then beat another top 25 I need all of them opponent. to lose. Right. That's the issue. You, like, need, right? the, you, you need, need the Pac-12 to eat themselves. Yes. I, I, but but it, TCU can still go unbeaten and that can happen. That, so I don't know if you're choosing one. I think this week I would choose Oregon to fall, even though they're at home to Washington. Washington, they can get after the quarterback. Um I don't know. There, there's something about the Pac-12 that would concern it, it's me a, it's as a an good SEC debate. fan. It's a fun debate. I mean, TCU's going to have another chance to lose at Baylor also, so you could factor that one in. A Big 12 champion. But Oregon's going to have opportunities to lose. Their toughest games are still to come. Um, I, I, I would just want TCU to lose if I'm rooting for another team simply because I think it eliminates an entire conference. An Oregon loss does not eliminate a Pac-12 champion from being in the playoff. So, because there's still two other one-loss Pac-12 teams. Better get you closer. Davey, pull this up while I give this stat. Well, you want both over under for the I mean, but TCU If you had game. to pick one. Over-under for the TCU game, because TCU has scored at least 34 points in its first nine games for the first time ever. Sarkeesian and Texas, they are 2-9, and nine, allowing 30-plus points under that coaching regime. So to me, do you think TCU gets to 30 against Texas on the road, where Texas is a seven-point favorite. And if you're betting the seven points and you're taking the points with TCU, you're betting that the, the offense is going to show up with um, you know, the fantastic offense and they're going to do another fourth-quarter comeback. I know, I, I Chad, think, you think they I, fall this week. TCU, though, is just resilient. And they are. They are. Here, you know what this is similar to me, too? It's similar to Tennessee-Georgia a week ago. From this perspective, Texas has better players. And that's going to show at home in this game. Georgia had better players than Tennessee. Tennessee has a better offensive scheme. TCU has a better offensive scheme than Texas. Max Duggan has been terrific. I'm not sliding TCU in their offense. Okay. I think the sobering reality that Tennessee is still another recruiting class or two away from having Georgia depth or commensurate talent was on display Saturday. I think Texas being better is on display this Saturday. As crazy I, I like as that sounds, I, for a team that has lost close in their losses, they barely lost to Alabama, they lost uh, a heartbreaker to Texas I'm Tech. I'm conflicted, though. I think Texas gets over the hump because they have better players. TCU leads the nation in touchdowns over 50 yards, and that's because of their coaching. They're scheming guys up, to your point. Yeah. I thought last Saturday for Georgia came down to coaching. 
and Kirby Smart right now is outpacing not just I think he Josh outcoached Heupel, Josh Heupel, but I but also think everybody. they have better players. Well, they have better players, but again, they, they, the better coach had the, had the scheme ready and had been preparing for Tennessee for weeks prior. My question is, in this matchup, which staff do you trust the most to scheme up the other one? And I know, I know one head coach who's lost three games already this year. So, I think Quinn Ewers and Bijan Robinson are the two best players in the field. And I think Texas will win at home for that reason. Well, there. Give me the talent at home. They should, based on I'm the not, spread. I'm not this disputing is... that I think Sonny Dykes is a better schematic coach than Steve Sarkeesian right now. And they've done a better job and done more with less than Texas has this year. I'm just, my feeling is talent wins in this game. And I think Texas has more talent. You make a very logical argument, and you could sit and look at that and look at that and look at that, and it just doesn't make sense that four is uh, is a dog to that degree. Well, to you know, so we use the Tennessee Georgia comparison, right. Paul. Um, here's another example: Missouri will do exactly what Georgia did a week ago to Tennessee. They've watched the film; they're going to attempt the same things. Are they? Good they enough? can't pull it off right. because they don't have the guys on the outside to go man-to-man on Hyatt, Tillman, McCoy, and have success. So it's just not, not going to work. They don't have the interior defensive line. They're good. They're solid there. They're not Georgia. Can they ugly it up enough Tennessee you know, with equal Tennessee or less talent? Great. Missouri's less talented than Tennessee. Equal or less talent, they, they roll. But when you get up against someone who can just – we're going to keep it simple. We're going to make you earn it. And we're going to get up you – know, we're going to jam you at the line of scrimmage on the outside. If you can do that, great. You're going to win. Georgia may be the only team that could do that. I think Texas is a team that can affect TCU with their talent. By the way, we'll find uh, out. UCF and, and Tulane also on our screen right now. And for our radio listeners, just keep in mind that the, the New Year's Six bowl implications are on the line here. So, um, yeah, a good matchup there as well at 3.30 p.m. Willie Eastern. Fritz at, at uh, Tulane is 62 years old. I feel like I've heard about this guy for a long time. A I didn't know he was 62 because I was – Looking through possible matches, and I, I love him as a coach. And I looked at him like he's sixty-two, so and I didn't put him in a, another job for that reason. And keep in mind, like a twelve-game playoff, this game matters because Tulane, while they're seventeen, is in it. They're in at twelve, so you've got the the, the highest years, ranked years from now. This group is of a five team is automatically game. in, which I like. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I year, do too. Years from now, uh, I hope it's sooner rather than later. The winner of this game technically would be headed to Knoxville, right? 12-5. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. As it stands. Right, yeah. I'd love to watch that game. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like that draw. Yeah, we will. I'm good with that. We will watch that game. Same reason I'm, I like Texas over TCU this week. I think I'd, I'd like that matchup for Tennessee. Guys, you ready for my... All due respect to Yes, give us some games here and let NFL us... NFL upsets. Evaluate you. Straight... Straight money line Straight here. Cash, this is homie. not a parlay. Oh, here we go. Straight money line. Chad plays it as a parlay. Oh, I'm going to play it as a parlay. I, as a I parlay. need a big winner this weekend to get back on board. I'm taking the Steelers of the Saints. Chad's going to hate that because he he's already mentioned he thinks the Saints are winning this game. At some point, though, Kenny Pickett is going to have a game where he comes to life. And the Steelers are coming off the bye week. This is Matt Canada's last real stand. He was not fired over the bye week as OC. So here we go. And the rant, I mean, the, the, the Saints are not like, they allowed four sacks to Baltimore on Monday night. TJ Watt makes his return. To me, off the extra week, I'm taking Tomlin over Dennis Allen, who has lost 34 of his, last, uh, of his first 45 games. 
of, of being a head coach in the National Football League. I'm taking Tomlin off the bye here, and I'm taking the rookie, first-round pick, undeniable talent who is worthy of being a first-round pick, of winning this game and actually showing us over the backstretch of the season he's a quarterback worth investing in. And one more quick thing. Watch for a guy you've never heard of making a show for Pittsburgh. Jalen Warren, third down back. He's been better than Najee Harris. Tomlin has openly said that he's deserving of more touches and more carries. And here he is as an undrafted rookie against the Saints' 19th-ranked run defense. Pick him up in fantasy if you don't have him. I'm taking the Steelers outright. I think T.J. Watt can give a real bolt of energy to the Steelers here. And going against Andy Dalton, you know, Chad, maybe follow me here. Break, uh, Let's go. break some, uh, some, knock some balls loose. I took all three, okay. all separate bets. See, okay. I did not. I did not go with a parlay this time. I took all three on separate bets. <laughs> I, I think. I mean, these two teams are bad enough. It might be a compelling game. Well, the Seahawks won for us last week. You picked the Seahawks uh, as an outright uh, yes, winner, as an I'm, underdog. I'm going to tell you why because ESPN would tell you that the Bucks have a 77 percent chance of winning in Germany. But first, the Cardinals over the Rams. The Rams currently 32nd in yards per play this season. If you don't know how many teams are in the league, the Rams are dead last in yards per play this season, and Matthew Stafford is in concussion protocol, and they're still favored in this game. And I can't figure out why. I, I understand. Arizona's offensive line. Kyler Murray's hamstring is part of it. Matthew Stafford's missing. And they're 32nd with him starting in yards per play this season. And their offensive line for Arizona, I get it. This is the seventh different starting lineup on their offensive line as we head into Week 10. John Wolford is capable. His only career start was against the Cardinals in 2020, and the Rams won that game and got into the playoffs. And here's Kyler Murray with a hamstring. But guys, the Cardinals, 10-3 and record in their past 13 road games. Arizona's defense, they have returned four touchdowns in the past four games. They're putting points on the board defensively. DeAndre Hopkins and Zach Ertz will carry this game. And Hopkins has been targeted 32 times in three games since he made his debut back in week seven. 26 of those have been catches. He makes the cards, to me, the better team this week, even though they're on the road against Los Angeles. And the Seahawks. Second straight week, the wrong team is favored with Seattle playing. I took them last week against Arizona. I'm taking them this week against Tampa Bay. Brady becomes the first quarterback to start NFL regular season games in three countries outside of the United States. And I'm betting he actually loses his first in this game abroad. The Bucks mediocre offensive line. The Seahawks are fourth in the NFL with 27 sacks. Geno Smith, multiple touchdown passes in seven games this season. That leads the league. Tampa's defense has not first, uh, forced a, a turnover in five consecutive games now. This should be a solid game. Mike Evans has owned the Seattle secondary while he's been with the Bucks, but Brady, you know, and Brady also challenged the, his team's effort right before they boarded a flight to Munich. I'm just taking the better team. I know England, the better team is Seattle. England has generally gotten crappy games, and Germany gets one game, and it's that's Brady. a pretty good debut game. I mean, you get Brady and uh, and one of the better stories in the league. But I saw last him. night, and I added it today. Last night, ESPN's whatever index they use, says that Tampa has a 77% chance of winning. I don't get that. Chad, explain that. 
I can't explain it, but every time you say no, wrong, wrong team favored, I'm probably the only one, and maybe there's just yeah, – if, if I can reach thing. one listener or viewer with this line, this quote from a movie, then I've done my job. But in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, yes. when the dad that's playing the part of Johnny Cash's dad from Walk the Line – Yes. And his brother dies in the whole movie when he sees the son that's alive. He just says, wrong kid died <laughs> to the son's face wrong that didn't favorite. die in the accident. Every time I hear wrong team favorite, I just think of that guy saying, wrong kid died. The Bucks have lost five of their last seven games. They're bad. The Seahawks are rolling. Like, Put your money with Seattle here as the underdog for the second consecutive I like week. It. Wrong kid died. Steelers, Cardinals, Seahawks. Outkick.com slash bet is where you can go. Outkick.com slash bet. Coming up, we will give some thoughts going into the weekend, tell you about a, uh, a good game you can watch tonight as well. This is Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Things are cranking up here for the weekend. You can watch all the games if you're in the Middle Tennessee area. They've got the best screens, all of the channels, and uh, all the Power 5 games for sure here. And then every NFL game will be shown here on Sunday. Sixthandpeabody.com for more info. Outkick 360 rolls on. Um, so I did, not, I did not take the Denver Broncos over the Titans as an outright upset winner for a reason. I don't trust their coaching staff against the Titans coaching staff. That's the only reason this week I would say the Broncos aren't winning the game. Paul, other than that, every, every sign to me points to Denver because of the bye week and because of the Titans injury status right now. Well, Denver's also really bad at scoring. But Jeffrey Simmons out, Bud Dupree out. Uh, and, you know, that's the best pass rusher they have and the number one disruptor in Simmons. Bud Dupree, you know, stats bear out. They've been a lot better when he's been on the field than when he hasn't been on the field. This is the hip. We don't know if it's, you know, recurring like a management thing or if he continues to injure it worse, but he didn't practice at all this week. Um, Amani Hooker, a starting safety, is out with a shoulder injury. And then Ryan Tannehill is questionable. He did get a full day of practicing on Wednesday, limited Friday. Christian Fulton, their top cornerback, didn't practice when, uh, Thursday, limited friday also questionable again coaching that's the only reason i don't point to it. because even if they're not scoring many points it's a 50 50 game to me yeah. based on how these i mean teams it's, play. it's a 17 where is Traylon burks game their ability burks, on defense by the way the i know he's not on the injury report yeah, Traylon burks hasn't had to be on the injury report because uh he's in the activation three-week window i expect he'll be activated tomorrow that's and big. play the way that they've talked this week. And do you think Tannehill plays? Just like gut it's feeling. A, it's a tough call. Because uh, he lobbied to play in Kansas City. Yeah, he wasn't ready to play in Kansas City. I mean, his warm-up was nothing. Um, he was... I don't know. It's really he difficult. You know, he had a full practice. If he had practiced full today, it would have been a no-brainer. But that they scaled it back and that they're, you know, playing again on Thursday... 
you know, I wonder if part of it is do they feel like they could win this game with Henry, 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 and an expanded Malik Willis who in the Houston game, the first game, they didn't do anything. In the second game, they ran him more. Thank you. Uh, and some people dropped some passes on him. Do they feel like they can beat Denver with that? If so, you buy Tannehill some sure. more rest, and then you have the same conversation about what you could do at Lambeau. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough call for me on that. Yeah, I, me I don't too. know the significant injury history of Tannehill's ankle and high ankle sprain. Low, again, we, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know. think it's a high ankle sprain because he, I think if it was a high ankle sprain, he would have not been out there at practice some days entirely early in the process. Um, and, and he was at least out there standing around. Um, you know, I think Simmons might have converted from, from a lesser ankle sprain to Too a more severe harsh. ankle sprain. Two quick things. Uh, first, Michigan State Gonzaga is tonight. Uh, college basketball on ESPN, if you're interested. Uh, top matchup. And uh, from all of us, happy Veterans Day. Yes, thank yes, you. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Thank you to, to everyone. everyone who served. No, no doubt. Um, we've got several uh, here in the 6th and Peabody campus that have, and we, we've been making the rounds all day saying that. So uh, thank you for all of those who served for our country. Uh, hit us up on Twitter over the weekend, at Outkick360. You can tell us we're idiots when we lose on some of these picks, but follow along because when we win, we're winning. you'll know about it. We're winning. You'll know about we're here. it. Uh, we're back on Monday to recap it all. Hope you'll join us across the Outkick Network. 3 o'clock Eastern is when we start, and again... Hit us up at Outkick.com and on Twitter at Outkick360. On the weekends, I beg, do not block the box, but please, please lock your locks. See ya!